Welcome to Brutal Ends, your weekly dose of mystery, murder, and madness. This week's episode, we're talking about the not-so-nicelys, David and Joe Nicely. But before we get to all that, I want to tell you about a podcast you really ought to check out. The Bohemican Podcast is a cultural podcast about the Czech Republic. Hosts Travis Dow and Peter Coleman explore Czech history, culture, and traditions of the people, all examined from an American perspective. It's really an interesting show, and I do encourage you to check them out. And now, the not-so-nicelys. Late in the evening on February 27, 1889, a quiet family evening was interrupted by a knock on the door. The door was opened to reveal a pair of men, Joe and David Nicely, masquerading as constables who were executing a search warrant. The evening had begun in peaceful family domesticity, but would end in murder. By the time the Nicely's were held accountable for the deed, three people would be dead. This is their story. At seven o'clock in the evening on February 27, 1889, the Umberger family had settled down for a quiet evening in their sitting room. 67-year-old Herman, his 70-year-old wife Nancy, 10-year-old granddaughter Nanny, and the family's hired girl Ella Stern were contentedly chatting and watching the fire when a knock on the door startled them from their pleasant domesticity. Between 7 and 8 p.m. came the knock. Ella Stern opened the door to reveal two men. One wore a wig under a brown derby, a thick false beard and mustache, and dark overcoat. The second wore a similar overcoat, striped overalls, and red and white handkerchiefs tied over his face and head. Only his eyes remained exposed. The man with a false beard and wearing the derby spoke for the both of them. He claimed they were constables from Bradford. At this, Ella invited them to speak with her employer. Once inside the home, the two men took seats near the fire and explained to a curious and on-guard Umberger who they were and that they were executing a search warrant for all the homes in the area. They claimed they were looking for stolen jewelry from a peddler named Maxon. They even produced a paper, claiming it to be the warrant granting them the authority to search homes. Herman Umberger was compliant and tried to be welcoming, but when presented the warrant, he was still dubious and inquired the reason for the handkerchiefs tied around the head of the second constable. The first man, still speaking for the pair, said that while they had been traveling, their horse had become spooked and tried to run off. The man with the handkerchiefs was thrown from his buggy and his face was badly torn, making it difficult to talk. The handkerchiefs were serving as makeshift bandages until the warrant had been executed. Afterward, he would visit the town's doctor. In spite of his skepticism, Umberger invited the men to conduct their search. He took the man with the derby round the house room by room. The man was polite enough as they wandered the house. In the bedroom, the constable requested Umberger to open the drawers of his bureau. There were no jewels hidden there. But what they did discover was Umberger's life savings of $17,000 in a pocketbook. Umberger took the book and put it in his vest pocket, explaining that he always kept a little money on hand to pay his farmhands. The search finished and the men convened in the dining room. Umberger was chatting in an attempt to keep the mood polite. He was stopped short, though, when the whiskered man pointed a revolver at him and said, your money or your life. 
Terrified, Ella Stern ran from the house screaming. Umberger threw up his hands, and at the action, his assailant opened fire. Umberger fell down dead at his young granddaughter's feet. The shocked and terrified girl cowered in fear in the corner. Mrs. Umberger ran through the door and began ringing the harvest bell on the front porch to sound an alarm to neighbors. Little Nanny was too frightened to move, her eyes riveted to the two men who still pointed their guns at her beloved grandfather. She took in every detail, from the make of the men's coat to the color of their eyes. Umberger was shot five times in front of his granddaughter. As the life bled from him, his vest pockets were emptied of the bank book that contained his savings. The two men ran from the house and into the night. By the time help arrived, Umberger was dead and the women were wailing. That night, the men planted the wig, whiskers, and guns in the house of a local man in an attempt to deflect attention from themselves. At midnight, the man Collins Hamilton was arrested after the evidence was discovered by police. He was released the next day, however, when Joseph and David Nicely were arrested and then positively identified by the surviving Umberger family. The trial began on May 27, 1889, and lasted nine sensational days, in which over 100 witnesses were heard, the most influential of which was the testimony of Nanny. She described in vivid detail those traumatic events of that night in February. She even went so far as to describe in depth the clothing the two men had worn. This included the fact that two buttons were missing from one of the coats, the color of patches, and the location of frays. The Nicely brothers were found guilty of murder and sentenced to hang. Immediately after, their attorney began filing appeals, and on August 18th, their appeal was denied. The verdict stood, and the men were to be transferred to another prison. During the transfer, Joe and David made a mad dash for freedom and shot a guard dead. A 500-man posse tracked them down and delivered them again into custody. Another appeal was then denied on November 12th. Even more desperate, the brothers and three others escaped prison by jumping from a second-story window of the prison. One man died after a poor landing and David suffered a broken arm and leg. He was found the following morning hiding under a haystack, nearly dead from his injuries and exposure. Joe was found later in a local farmer's barn and brought back to the authorities by the man and his neighbors. There were further attempts to escape and of appeal, but each were thwarted. After their last failed escape attempt in March, David went through a religious reawakening and Joe feigned insanity. The two kept up their charades and maintained their innocence until the day of execution. On April 1st, the day before their scheduled execution, David was baptized in a tub set up in the prison courtyard. He took his first and last communion then and lamented the sins of his life. The following morning, Joe suddenly came out of his insanity. He sat up and looked around in mock confusion and asked, How did I get in the cell? What day is it? Neither one actually convinced the executioner to stay his hand. Although, David did give his confession to his priest before the execution, in which he admitted that the pair were responsible for the death of Umberger, though he claimed he was not the one to pull the trigger. That day, the Nicely brothers were escorted to the gallows that had been built in the prison itself. The men could hear hymns being sung as the nooses were tightened around their necks. 
The trapdoor opened beneath them, and after 14 minutes, the brothers were pronounced dead. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode about the not-so-nicelies. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, and feel free to leave us a comment as it helps others find us more easily. Help spread the word by liking us on Facebook or following on Twitter. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or an idea for a podcast, send us a message on Facebook.